to the Podlets Podcast, a weekly show that explores cloud native one buzzword at a time. Each week, experts in the field will discuss and contrast distributed systems concepts, practices, trade-offs, and lessons learned to help you on your cloud native journey. This space moves fast, and we shouldn't reinvent the wheel. If you're an engineer, operator, or technically minded decision maker, this podcast is for you. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Podlets. In this episode, we're going to talk about, you know, one of the more challenging things that we all have to do is just kind of keep up with cloud native and how we each approach that and, and what we do. Today, I have a number of co-hosts with me. I have Olive Power. Hi. Alicia Campos. Hi, everybody. Josh Rosso. Hey, all. And Michael. Hey, hello. So this episode, we're going to do something a little different than we normally do. In most of our episodes, we try to remain somewhat objective around the problem and the potential solutions for it, rather than prescripting a particular solution. In this episode, however, since we're talking about how we keep up with all of the crazy things that happen in such a fast-moving ecosystem, we're going to probably provide quite a number of examples or resources that you yourself could use to try to, to try and keep up to date with what's happening out there. So. Be sure to check out the notes after the episode is over at thepodlets.io, and you will find a link to the episodes up on the top bar. Click down to this episode and check out the notes, because there'll be tons of resources. So let's get started. One of the things I think about that is interesting about keeping up with something like you know a Kubernetes or a fast-moving project, regardless of what that project is, whether it's Kubernetes or you know for a while it was Mesos that I was following or OpenStack, or there's a number of been big infrastructure projects that have been very fast-moving over time. And I think what's interesting is that I, f- I find that there's multiple audiences that we kind of address when we think about what it means to keep up, right? Keeping up with something like a project is, is interesting because I feel like there is an audience that is actually very interested in what's happening with the design goals or the code base of the project. And there's an audience that is very specific to just wanting to understand, you know, at, the, at a high level, like give me the, the state of the world report like every month or so just so I can understand generally like what's happening with the project. Like, is it thriving? Is it starting to kind of wane? Are there big projects that it's taking on? And then there's like, and then I feel like there's an audience somewhere in the middle there where they really want to see people using the project and understand and know how to learn from those people who are, who are using it so that they can elevate their own use of that project. They're not particularly interested in the code base per se, but they do want to understand, are they exploring this project at a depth that makes sense for themselves. What do y'all think about that? I think I think one thing that I want to mention is that this episode is not so much about onboarding people onto Kubernetes and the Kubernetes ecosystem. We are going to have a, an episode soon to talk specifically about that, like how do you get going, like get started. So I think uh, Duffy mentioned this. So we're going to be talking about how you keep up with things. But definitely there are different audiences, even when we're talking about keeping up. Yeah, I think what's funny about your audience descriptions, Duffy, is I feel like (laughs) I've actually slid between those audiences a bit, (laughs) right? So it's funny because like back in the day, you know, Kubernetes like one, four, one, five days. I feel like I was much more like what's going on in the code, like trying to keep track of like how things are progressing. Now my role is a lot more focused with working with customers and standing up cube and like making it production ready. So I feel like I'm a lot more 
kind of reactive and more interested to see like what features have become stable and impact me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm far less in the weeds than I used to be. It's, it's a super interesting thing. Yeah, I tend to, uh, from my role, I tend to definitely fall into the number three first, which is the kind of general keeping an eye on things. And when you see like interesting articles pop up that maybe have been linked internally because somebody said, oh, check out this article. It's really interesting. And then you find that you can kind of click through five or six articles similar. But then you can kind of flip to that kind of like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of learning lots of good stuff generally about, you know, things that folk are doing to actually kind of having to figure out some particular solution for one of my customers. And so having to go quite deep into that particular feature. So you kind of go, I kind of find myself going right in and then back out, right in, going back out, depending on kind of where I am on a particular day of the week. And it's kind of a bit tricky. My brain sometimes doesn't kind of deal with that sort of uh, deep, deep concentration into one particular topic and then back out again. So it's, it's not easy. I find it quite tough, actually, some of the time. Yeah, I think we, I think we can all agree on that. Keeping track of everything is, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, that's why the episode, right? It's like, how do we even approach it? It seems, you know, I feel like what an audience I haven't mentioned is the audience that basically just throws up their hands and walks away because there's just too much to keep track of, right? Like, it's, and I feel like we are all that at some point, you know, like, <laughs> I get that. That's why we have Christmas holidays, right? To kind of <laughs> yeah, exactly. to refresh the brain. Yep. Yeah, I am. Maybe purposefully or maybe not even not trying to keep up because it is too much. It is a lot. And what I'm trying to do is get better, go deeper on the things that I already like sort of know <laughs> and things that I, I, I am working with on a day to day basis. And I only really need to know, I feel that I really only need to know because I'm not working directly with customers. My scope is very well defined. And I, only, I feel that I really only need to know whenever there's a new Kubernetes release, I need to know what's in the releases. Mm. And we usually, every once in a while, we upgrade, we update our project to the, we bump up the Kubernetes release that we are working against. And, but in general, yeah. It's like if things come my way, if it's interesting, I'll take a look. But mostly, I, I feel like I work in a spiral. So if I'm doing codes related to controllers and there's a conference talk about controllers, then I'm, I, okay, let me take a look at this to maybe learn how to design this thing better, implement this thing in a better way if I know more about it. So if, if I'm doing, you know, looking at it, CRDs, and same thing. I really like conference talks for education, but that's not so much keeping up with what's new. What's, uh, or are we talking about educating ourselves with things that we don't know about? Keep track yes. of things that we don't know about? Or are we talking about just news? I think it's everything. That's a great question, because like one of my other questions when we were starting to talk about this was like, what is keeping up even me, right? Like, I mean, does it mean where do you find resources that are interesting that keep you interested in the project? Or are you looking for resources that just kind of keep you up to date with what's changing? It's a great question. Yeah, and actually that was yes. the problem that I faced when I added the links that I wanted to share in the show. So I started writing the links and then I realized, well, most of the stuff is not keeping up with news. It's actually understanding the technology because I cannot keep up. So what does help me in understanding specific areas when I need to dig into that? 
And I think back five or four years in the early days of Kubernetes, um, it was easy to catch up by the time because it was just about Kubernetes. Later, right? Later, it became this platform. Like we realized that it's actually this platform thing. And then we extended Kubernetes. And then we realized there's CICD related stuff and operations and monitoring. And so the whole ecosystem grew, like the landscape grew so much that it today is it's impossible to keep up, right? And I think I'm interested in all those patterns that you have developed over the years that help you to manage this, let's say, complexity or stream stream of information. Yeah, I agree. This year I was thinking about putting up a talk with uh, Chris Short, it was actually last year, that was about kind of on the same topic of keeping up with it. And so in that, I kind of did a little research into how that happens. And I feel like what some of the interesting stuff that came out of that was that there are certain patterns that a project might take on that make it easier or more approachable to you know stay in contact with what's happening. And if we take Kubernetes as an example, there are a number of websites, I think that pretty much everybody here kind of follows to some degree, that helps sort of kind of address those different audiences that we were talking about. One of the ones that I've actually been really impressed with is LWKD, which stands for Last Week in Kubernetes Development. And as you can imagine, this is really kind of focused on kind of, I wouldn't say it's like super deep on the development, but it is watching for things that are changing that are interesting to the people who are curating that particular post, right? And so they'll have things in there like, you know, code freeze is coming up on this date, you know, IPv6, IPv4, dual stack is come, is merging. They'll have like, you know, some of the big mile markers that are happening in a particular release and where they are in time as it relates to that release. And I think that that's a great pattern. And I think that, a definite, but it's, it's a very narrow audience, right? Like it would really only be interesting to people who are interested in or who are caught up in the code base or, or just trying to understand like, maybe I want a preview of what the release notes might look like. And so I yeah. might just like yeah. look for like a weekly yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And, and speaking of the release notes, right? Because it's funny, like I think, um, and I do get to look at last week in Kubernetes development every now and then it's an awesome, awesome resource. But I've gotten to the point where the release notes are probably my most important thing for staying up to date. Oh, yeah. um, and maybe it's because I'm lazy. I don't know. But I wait till 117 drops. Then I go to the re release notes and really kind of ingest it because I've just struggled so much to kind of keep up with like the day to day. We merged this. We didn't merge this and so on. So those have been a huge help for me, uh, you know, dated or week to week, month to month. Yeah. What was also helpful just on the release notes that the new filter web page that they put out in 1.15, starting 1.15. Have you have you all seen that? I've never heard of it. Rel oh. dot whatever it is, rel dot. Yeah, yeah. If if you can share it, Duffy, like that's super useful, <laughs> especially like if you want to compare releases and features added. And I'll have to dig it up as well. I don't remember exactly. I'm what sorry. Say. Well, no. Which one is that again? Rel notes. What is it? Um, let me, I'll, I'll put it in. I'll put it in the HackMD. Yeah, relnotes.kh.io, which is an interesting one because it, it's sort of like a comparison engine that allows you to kind of compare what it, when a feature, like how a feature relates to different versions and stuff. Oh, that's great. I cannot encourage enough for the listeners to look at the show notes because we have yeah. a little document here that we're looking <laughs> at and the, the resources are amazing. There are so many things that I have never even heard about and sound great. Is yeah. I want to go through this whole entire list. Yep. So definitely check it out. We might not have time to mention every single thing. So I don't, I don't want people to miss on the, all the goodness that's been put together. 
Agreed. And if you again, if you were, if you're looking for those notes, you just go to thepodlets.io, click on episodes up on the upper right, and then look for this episode, and you'll find the notes there. And I can see that a lot of the content in that in those notes are like Twitter feeds. Speaking personally, I'm not sure I'm at the stage yet where I learn I learn a lot about Twitter feeds in terms of technical content. Do you guys find that it's more around people's thoughts? around certain things, so thought-provoking things around Kubernetes and the ecosystem rather than actual technical content. I mean, that's my experience so far, but looking at those Twitter feeds, maybe I guess I might need to follow some of those feeds. What do you all think? Do you mean the tweets are from those like learn Kate's or the person tweet feeds? Like you've listed some there, Michael, and there's some yes. sort of... Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to yeah, get some clarity. So the, the reason I listed so many Twitter accounts there is because Twitter is my only kind of news feed, if you will. Like I used Feedly and RSS and others before and emails and threads, but then I just got overwhelmed and I had this feeling of missing out on all those ends. So that's why I said, okay, let's just use Twitter. And so to your question, most of these accounts are people who've been in the Kubernetes um, space for very long, either running Kubernetes, developing on Kubernetes, having opinions about Kubernetes. Opinions general in general on topics related to cloud native because we didn't want to make the show just about Kubernetes, and so um, most of these people I really um, appreciate their thoughts and some of them also just uh, retweet things that they see which I miss somewhere else. So not necessarily just opinions. I think it's a good mix of these accounts providing opinions, some guidance, and also just news that I miss out on because not being on the other channels. Yeah, I agree. Because sometimes you can kind of read. I, t- I tend to read quite a lot of sort of like blog posts and, and sort of web posts, which are sort of, you know, without realizing it can be kind of opinionated. And then, you know, it's nice to then see some Twitter feeds that kind of actually just kind of give like a, a couple of words, a kind of a different view, which, you know, sometimes makes me think, okay, I've, you know, I've just, I understand that topic from a certain, from a certain article that I've read. It's just really nice to hear a kind of a, a different take on it through Twitter. So I think some of the accounts, uh, like fewer of the accounts, and there are a bunch of things that, that are listed accounts here that I ha- I didn't know before, so I'll check them out. So I think fewer of the accounts are providing technical content. For example, Cindy Sidaran, not completely pronouncing it correctly, but Cindy is great. She puts out a lot of technical content and a lot of technical opinion and observations that is really good to consume. I wish I had time to just read her blog posts and Twitter commentary alone. She's very oriented towards distributed systems in general. So she's not even specific, just Kubernetes. And, but most of the accounts are, are very opinionated. And the benefit for me is that sometimes I catch people talking about something that I didn't even know it was a thing. It's like, oh, this is a thing. <laughs> and I should know about for, for the work that I do. And, and like Michael was saying, you know, sometimes I catch retweets that I didn't catch before. And I just, I'm not checking out places. I'm not checking, I'm not checking Reddit. So I rely on Twitter and the people I follow to, if there's a blog post that I, that sounds important, I just trust that somebody would, that I'm going to see that multiple times until like, okay, if this is content that is related to something I'm working on that I want to get better at, then I'll go and look at it. But my sources are mainly Twitter and YouTube. And it's funny because I love blog posts, but it's like I haven't been reading them because it takes a long time to read a blog post. (laughs) And so I give preference to video because I can just listen while I'm doing stuff. (laughs) But 
So I sort of stopped reading blog posts, which is sad. I also want to start writing posts because it's so helpful for me to ingrain the things that I'm learning. And hopefully it'll be helpful to other people too. But in any case, go Duffy. A number of people that I follow, I've you know, been cultivating my feed pretty carefully, trying to get a broad perspective of technical stuff that's happening. But also I've been trying to develop my persona on Twitter a bit more, right? Like I'm actually trying to build my audience there. And so what's interesting there is that I've been trying to, and to, so to that end, what I've been doing is like trying to like amplify voices that I think aren't heard enough out there, right? And so if, there, if I see an article by somebody who's just coming into Kubernetes or just coming into distributed systems and they've taken an effort to like really like lay out something that they found really interesting about pretty much anything, right? I'm like, okay, well, that's pretty awesome. And I will, I'll try to amplify that, right? And sometimes I even get involved, right? I'll, you know, not directly in public on Twitter, but I'll, I'll offer to like help edit or help provide, you know, whatever I, guidance I can provide around that sort of stuff. So if I see them, if I see people like having a difficult time with a particular project or something like that, like I'll reach out privately and say, hey, can I help you with, so that you can go out there and, you know, do a great job, you know, like this is totally something I love to do. I think your, your point about like, not necessarily going at Twitter for like the deep knowledge stuff, but more just like, making sure that you have a broad enough awareness of what's happening in different ecosystems that you're not surprised by things when things change, right? Like a couple of the people that I follow are Akira Osuda. I can't say enough about that person. They are amazing. They have been doing like incredibly deep security stuff as it relates to container uh, containerization and stuff like that for quite a while. And so I'm always like learning brand new things to me when, <laughs> when following <laughs> and folks like that, you know, I've been kind of getting more interested in InfoSec Twitter lately, learning how people kind of approach that problem, like, and, and also some of the bias around that, which has been, been pretty interesting, both the bias against people who are in InfoSec, which seems weird to me, and also like how InfoSec approaches a problem. Like, do they approach it like a learning experience or do they approach it like an attack experience? It's, it's, it's been kind of fascinating to kind of dig in there. You know, I kind of, like, you know, use Twitter as well for some of the stuff. But, you know, books are kind of a resource as well. But in my head, I kind of like at the opposite scale. You know, I don't, obviously don't read as many books as I read Twitter feeds, right? And um, it's just kind of like with Twitter, you can kind of digest a whole lot of stuff. And with books, it's kind of like I tend to be trying, because I know I'm only going to read it, like I'm only going to read maybe one slash two books a year. I don't know. I've kind of like, as I said before, where blog posts seem to take up my reading time and books kind of tend to be for like on airplanes and stuff. So if they're just kind of two opposite resources for me, but I find actually the content of books are, are, are you know, probably stuff that I digest a bit more because, um, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, I'm back to the old days. It's kind of a physical thing in hand and I can kind of read it and digest it a bit more than sort of the kind of throwaway stuff that kind of keeps on Twitter. Because to be honest, I don't know always on Twitter who's kind of a person to listen to or who's not or who's and I just try and form my own opinions and then again it, it kind of gets a bit overwhelming because there's a, a lot of content just streaming through continuously where the book it's kind of like just one source of information that it's kind of like a bit more personal that I can digest a bit more. Any particular That's book recommendation in 2019 Olive that you found particularly interesting? So I'm still reading and it's on the list for the episode notes actually, programming Kubernetes. I just want to kind of get into that sort of CRD sort of mindset 
a bit. I think that's kind of a, an area that's interesting and an, an area that a lot of people will want to, you know, use in their organizations, right? Because it's going to do some extensibility to Kubernetes that's just not there out of the box. And everybody wants something that's not out of the box always, in my experience. I found the managing Kubernetes, I think, was it uh, by from Brandon Burns and some other folks, which was just released, I think, end of last year. Um, super deep. And that is kind of the opposite to the programming Kubernetes because I like that as well. But it, that is more geared towards understanding architecture and operations. Operational They're control. probably the two yeah. books I've read. <laughs> oh, okay. One, one a year, remember? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <It's> so <laughs> prolific. Prolific reading. I think if you know what you need to, to learn about cloud native or Kubernetes, there are amazing books out there. And if you are still exploring Kubernetes and trying to learn, I cannot recommend this book enough. If you are watching us on YouTube, you see the cover. It's called Kubernetes Best Practices because it's about Kubernetes best practices, but what, what they did simultaneously, maybe they didn't even realize, is just they gave a map, entire thing, so, so you go, oh, these are all the elements in Kubernetes. Of course, it's, it's also saying, okay, this is the best way to go about setting this stuff up. And this is relatively thin, but I just think that going through this book, you get a really fast overview of all the elements in, in Kubernetes. And then you can go to other books like Managing Kubernetes to go deep and understand all of the knobs and, and, and switches I want to bring it back to the, the patterns that we see pro successful projects, projects that you, that you think are approachable, like, you know, projects that are out there and make it, make it easy for you to kind of stay, or easier at least, <laughs> to stay up to date with. And what some of those patterns are that you think are useful for projects. And so we were talking about, like, you know, having a couple of different entry points from kind of a weekly report mechanism. We've talked about the one that LWKD is. I don't think we've yet talked about Cube Weekly, which is actually a weekly blog that is actually curated by a lot of the CNCF ambassadors. Uh, Cube Weekly is also broken up into in different sections, like sometimes I'll just talk about, but they're actually going out actively and trying to find articles of people using Kubernetes and then and trying to post those so that if, you, if you're interested in understanding you know, how people are actually out there using it, then that's a great place to go find articles that are kind of related to that. What are some other patterns that we see that are out there that are useful for folks? One that I really like, so Kubernetes for everyone listening has this notion of special interest groups, SIGs oftentimes, and they're focused on like certain areas of the project. So there's some for networking and storage and life cycles of clusters. And what's amazing, I try to watch them somewhat weekly, I don't always succeed, is they're all on YouTube. And if you go to the Kubernetes project YouTube, there's playlists for every SIG. So a lot of times I'm doing work relating to life cycles of clusters. So I'll open up the cluster lifecycle playlist and I'll just watch the weekly meetings. Like while it doesn't always pertain completely to me, it lets me understand kind of where the developers and contributors heads are at and where they're kind of headed with with a lot of different things so there's a link to that as well if anyone wants to check it out exactly and to add to that if you don't have the time to watch the videos the meeting notes that these gentlemen and women put together are amazing so usually i just scroll through and if there's something that triggers i go into the episode and then watch it yeah i almost feel like we should talk about 
tooling to handle all of this stuff. For example, right now, I think I have 200 tabs open. And I just started learning about some Chrome extensions to manage tabs. I haven't started really using them, but I need. <laughs> so I don't have a good system. I, my system is open a video that I, I, I'm pretty sure I want to watch and just get to that tab eventually <laughs> until something happens and my Chrome goes bust and I lose all the, the everything. But I wanted to mention that when we say watch YouTube, some things you don't need to sit there and wa actually watch. You can just listen to it. And if you pay for the five bucks for YouTube premium, I don't get a commission, you people. But I'm just saying, for me, it's so helpful. I can just turn off, you know, put my phone on my pocket and keep listening to it without having to have the phone open and on the whole time. It's very handy. It's just like listening to a podcast. And I, I also listen to podcasts a lot of it. For tooling, since I'm just mostly on Twitter, and, and by the time I was using to, or starting to use Twitter, they didn't have this bookmark function. So I was basically abusing likes or favorites by the time, I think, to bookmark. And what I realized and later, my bookmarks grew. Oh, well, my, my likes grew. And I wanted to go back and find something. But that through the Twitter search was just impossible. So I built a tiny little go tool, kind of my first exercise there, to just parse my likes and then use JQ because it's all JSON to query and manipulate manipulate uh, this stuff. And so that's the, like I, I almost use it every day because I was like, oh, there was a talk or blog post about scheduling, and I just grab for scheduling and in the, the likes. I'm sure there's a better tool or way of doing that, but for me, that's my tool. Because that's my workflow. Both of the two blogs that we mentioned, both Cube Weekly and LWKD, they both have the ability to take, you can submit stories to them. So if you come across things that are interesting and you'd like to put that up on an aggregator somewhere, this is one of the ways to, to kind of solve that problem. Because at least if it gets put it up on an aggregator, you know that you can go back to the aggregator to see it. So that helps. Some other ones I've seen out there, I've seen people, I've seen a number of interesting startups now are starting to kind of like put out a podcast or, and I've started to see a number of people like, you know, engaging with Twitch and also doing things like what we do with TGIK.io, which is like have sort of some kind of a weekly thing where you're just hacking on stuff live and, you know, just exploring it, you know, whether that is related to, it's the thing about TGIK is we can do it without without being related necessarily to anything that we're doing at VMware, just anything to do with the community. But like, obviously if you were like working for like one of the smaller companies, like, you know, a honeycomb or, you know, some other company, a, a smaller kind of startup, you could really just, you know, get people more aware of that because for some reason people love to watch others code, right? They, get, they love to understand like how people go through that, like what their thought process is. And I find it awesome as well, but like, I think it's amazing to me that how, how big a draw that is, you know? And is there like a, is there lots of them out there, Duffy? Is that kind of an easy searchable thing or is it kind of like, how do you know those things are going on? Oddly enough, Twitter, most of the time. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> most, most of the time it's like, I see that kind of stuff happening on, on Twitter. Like somebody will, like Alice Gopfess or a number of other people will say, okay, I'm going to do a live stream during this period of time on this. And I've actually seen a number of people doing live streams on CTFs, which are capture the flags, which I think is, that one's really been fascinating to me because it's been, you know, how do people think about approaching the security of an application? Like where do they look for weak spots and how do you determine, how do you approach that kind of a problem, which is fascinating. So yeah, I think, I think it is important to remember that like, you know, you're not the only one 
trying to keep up to date with all of this stuff, right? I mean, like one thing that we've all said pretty consistently here is that it is a lot. <laughs> it is, and it's not just Kubernetes, right? Like any fast moving project, right? It could be your favorite Ruby module, like that has 200 contributors, right? Like it, it doesn't matter what it is. It is a lot to keep a track of. And, and it kind of represents some of that, a cognitive overhead that you have to think about, you know, like that's a lot of, that's a lot to take on. Even if it is overwhelming, if you find value in being up to date with these things, just figure out, like, there are so many resources out there that address these different audiences and figure out, like, what the right measure for you is, right? You don't, you don't have to go deep on the code on everything. Sometimes it might be better to just try and find a source of information that is just, that gives you a high enough view, right? Like, maybe you're looking at the blog posts that come out on Kubernetes.io every, every release, and you're just looking at the release notes. And if you just read the release notes every release, that is, that is already, like, miles ahead of, of what I've seen a lot of a lot of folks out there when they're starting to ask me questions about how do you keep up to date. I'm curious. We've been talking a lot about keeping up as an individual. Mm. Do you all have strategies for how you help, let's say, your overall team keep up with all the things that are going on? Like, to give an example, Duffy, Olive, and myself, at least at one point, were on the same team. And we'd go out to disparate customers and see all these different new things that they were trying to do or new projects they were using. So we'd have to think about how do we get together and share that internally to make sure we're kind of bringing the whole team along with what's going on in the ecosystem, especially from a customer perspective. I know one of the ways that we do that is kind of having like demos and things of that nature that we share weekly. Are there other strategies that you all use with your teams to kind of, you know, share interesting information and news? So what we do is uh, m mostly the way we share in our team, and we're a small team, uh, we use Slack. We pre-filter in terms of like, if there's stuff that I think is valuable for me, and probably not for the whole team, obviously I'm not going to share, but I think if it's related to something that the team does or to common ground, um, then I'll share on Slack, but we don't have any formal way of, I know people use some reports, weekly reports or other platforms to distribute, but we just use Slack. I think one of the things, one of the patterns that we had at Heptio that I thought was actually super helpful was that we would engage a conversation like that. I learned a new, a cool new thing about, you know, whatever today, right? And so we would say, I'm going to, and then we would start up a Zoom call around that. And then people could join if they wanted to, to be a part of the live discussion or not. And if they didn't, they would still be able to see the recorded Zoom pop up in the channel later on. So even if you're like time zones don't line up, like I know it's 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or something like that for Olive right now, you can still go back to those recorded sessions and like, because you'll see it in your, in your, the daily Slack stuff, right? You'll be able to see, oh, there was a conversation about, you know, whether you should deploy Kubernetes across availability zones or not. I would like to go see that, you know, and see what they and see what the inputs were. And so that can be helpful. Yeah, it's a super interesting observation. It's almost like remote first teams that are kind of used to these processes of recording everything and putting it in a Google Doc. They're yeah. kind of more equipped for that information sharing, perhaps in like the water cooler conversations you'd have totally. in yeah. the office. And on the Slack, you know, or any other communication tool, we kind of have like different channels, right? Because we're all in lots of channels and, and to have channels dedicated to a particular subject is, is absolutely the way to go. Because otherwise... In my previous company, it seemed to be kind of one main channel that all the kind of architects used to discuss everything on. And, you know, sometimes you join in and you're like, 
what is everybody talking about? There'd literally be like a hundred messages on some sort of thing that you've never, that I'd never heard of. So you kind of come away from that thinking, you know, that's the kind of main channel. Where's the bit? Is there messages in the middle of that that I've missed that were kind of just normal discussions as opposed to in around the technical stuff? And so it kind of made me a bit sad, right? Because I'd be like, I haven't understood something. And there's a whole lot of stuff on this channel that I don't understand. But it's the kind of central channel for everyone. So it kind of like think, you know, you end up then start looking up things that they're discussing and then realizing, actually, that's not really anything related to what I need to know about today or next week. It might be something for the future, but I've got other stuff to focus on. So you know, I, I, my point is that, you know, those communication channels for me sometimes can kind of make me feel a little bit like behind the curve or very much sort of reactive and trying to jump on things that are actually not really anything to do with me for now and kind of wasting my time slightly and kind of messing with my head a little bit in that like I really need to try and focus out stuff and you know actually putting the right content in the right channel at least from a higher level helps me decide whether I want to like look at that channel today you know and and stuff that's in that should be in the channel is not kind of in a kind of a conversational channel you know so organization of where that content is it's kind of important to me. I am so on the same page with you, Olive. I'm, that's the way my brain works as well. I want to have multiple channels. Like if we're talking about Slack or like any chat tool, but some people have such an aversion to multiple channels. They really have a hard time dealing with too many, like past the threshold of what they think is too many channels. So I'm always mindful too, like uh, it has to work for everybody. But if it was up to me, there will be one channel per topic, so I know what to focus on. And you said something that's so interesting. How do we even, this, like you were saying in the context of channel, multiple channels, and you're like, oh, if I need to pay attention to this this week, as opposed to like, I don't need to look at this until sometime in the future. How do we even decide, right, what we pay focus on because it's useful for us in the moment versus, oh, we, we, it's, it would be good for me to know, but I don't need to know right now. I am super bad at because when I see something that is going to give me the fundamentals, like I have other priorities now, I sort of want to always consume that to learn the fundamentals because I think in the long term pays off. But then I neglect obviously what I need to know to do in the moment. And I'm trying to sort of switch that and fo get focused on the, in the moment things. Anybody else have a hard time? It's terrible. Something that I wish I would do more often as like being a good citizen is if like we read a lot, probably 90% of my time is not writing, but reading it, maybe even more. Yeah. And then I share and then on Twitter, the tweets that I'm <clears throat> The, the most successful ones in terms of like retreats or likes are the ones where I do like TLDRs or some screen captures like too long didn't read where people don't have the time. They might want to read the article, but they don't have time. But if you put in like a TLDR, like to either a tweet or a thread on it, a lot of people will jump onto it because they, they can just easily capture it and they can still read the, the full article if they want. But like that is kind of something I learned that is pretty, uh, what's the right word, uh, helpful to my followers and the community. But I just don't do it that often, unfortunately. No, and by writing, uh, summarizing, writing, I kind of remember like that that's how the brain works. It's a kind of nice side effect. I was saying, this is definitely one of those things where you can be the change you want to see, you know, like if you... If, yeah, I know. You know <laughs> this, is, this, this is awesome. <laughs> I will also say that, I mean, what you've just raised, Alicia, is like 
a super valid point. I mean, like not everybody's brain works the same way, right? Like there are, there are people who are neurodivergent. There are people who think very linearly and they're very comfortable with that and people who don't, you know? And so like, it's, it's a struggle, I think, regardless of how your brain is wired to understand how to, how to prioritize the attention you will give any given subject. In some cases, your brain is not wired. Your brain is almost wired against that whole idea. <laughs> like, you know, you know, like you're just, you're just not set up for success when it comes to figuring out how to prioritize your attention. You, you said you hit the, the nail on the head. We are so set up for failure in that department because there are so many interesting conversations and you want to hop in and you want to be part of the conversation, part of the group and socialize. Our, our work is so isolating if we really put our heads down and just work. It can be isolating. So it's great to participate in conversations out there, even if it's for even if it's via Twitter. I mean, obviously, we are very biased towards Twitter here, this group, but not everybody even is in, on Twitter. So just to keep that in mind, that we're cognizant of that. But in any case, I don't know what the answer is, but what I'm to try, trying now is to cut down on that, those social activities that seem so appealing. I don't know how to do that, but I'm working on. I'm in the same boat. At 2020, I'm hoping yeah. to let more of that go. And it's not that, to your point, it's not that there's no value in it. It's just, I don't know, I'm not deriving the same amount of quality out of it because I'm so just multiplexed all over the place, right? So we'll see how it goes. Now, if, if, if any listener has opinions, and obviously, we, we seems that all, it seems that all of us are helpless in that department. <laughs> <laughs> Share with us, please. It's a, it's a tricky one. I think it's also interesting because I find that when we talk about things like work-life balance, right, we think of the idea of like, you know, maybe work-life balance is that when you come to the end of the day, you go home and you don't think about work, Right. Sometimes we think that work-life balance means that you have a certain amount of time off that you can actually spend with your family and or your friends or your community, what have you, and not be engaging on multiple fronts, right? Like just be that, have that be your focus. But when it comes to things like keeping up, right? When it comes to things like learning or elevating your education and stuff, it seems like for the most part, and this is just my own assumption, I'm curious how you all feel about this, that we don't, that, that doesn't enter into it, right? Your personal time is totally on the table when it comes to how do you keep up with these things? We don't even think about it that way, right? Like, I know I personally don't. Like, I definitely, I definitely have to do more to cut back on the amount of time that I spend reading. I'm right there with Michael on 90% of my time with my eyes are open. They're either reading or, 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 or staring up at the sky while I try and think about what I'm going to write next, you know, one way or the other. It's like, <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I noticed last year on my Twitter feed, more people than the years before were complaining about like personal burnout. I, I, I saw kind of a pattern by like reading those people's tweets. I kind of saw a pattern there. It was really like a spiral. And then like they realized and they shut down, they like deleted Twitter from their phones um, or any messaging and other stuff. And I think I'm at the point where I also need to do that when it comes to like vacation, PDO, whatever. Because I'm just like, as you said, Duffy, my free time is on the table when it comes to Twitter and catching up and keeping up because work-life balance in mind is like, yeah, not work, but what does not work for like <laughs> Kubernetes is exciting in all the space. Like what does not work there? I need to really get better there because I'm, I think I'm, I might end in the same kind of spiral of just 
soaking in more until I just yeah yeah and like josh said it's not that there isn't a value obviously we derive a huge value from no, it that's yeah. why we own it yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you have to weigh things and what are your goals and how is that going is that the best way to goals from where you are right now and maybe you know twitter you use for a while ramp up your knowledge ramp up the connections because it's great for making connections and then you step back and focus on something else and go sort of go on the cycle. I'm just, this is how I'm thinking now. And just like uh, Olive was saying, you know, books are great, blog posts are great. And I, I absolutely agree with that. It's just that I, I don't have even the time. And when I, ha- I had the time, I've been reading code and I've been reading things all day long. I, it's just really tiring for me at the end of the day to sit down and read more. I want to invest in learning how to speed read to solve that problem because I put out of books and blog posts. So something on my list. One of the biggest tips in speed reading I ever learned was that you frequently when you read, you think of saying the word. And if you can get out of that habit, if you can get out of the habit of saying the word, even with your mouth, or you just get out of that habit, that will already increase the quickness with which you read. That's so interesting. Yeah. The trippy one. Because I think being bilingual, <laughs> I I totally like it really that really helps me understand things like saying the words. And I think the point that we're all kind of like working around here is there's a great panel that came out at KubeCon EU in twenty nineteen that was that was uh, put on by Aaron Krickenberger, Ritu Lina, Ashley McNamara, Stephen Augustus. These folks are all very high output people. I mean they they do a lot of they do a lot of stuff, especially with it, with regard to community. And so they they put on a panel that was talking about burnout and self-care. And I think that it's definitely worth checking that one out. And, and actually also thinking about like what keeping up means to you and making sure that you are, you're, you're measuring that against your ability to sustain is incredibly important, right? Like it's, I feel like keeping up is one of those subjects where we end up, it's almost insidious in its way to, it's a thing that we can just do all the time. We can just spend all of our time, any free moment that you have, you're sitting on the bus, you're trying to keep up with things. And because that happens so much, I feel like that's, that is sort of one of the ways that we can feel burnt out at the end of the day. We can feel like we did a lot of things, but there was no real result to it. You know, like, And keep in mind that that's, that's part of it, right? Like when you're thinking about how we keep up with it, make sure that the value to your time is still something that you that you have some cognizance about, you know, that you have some thought about, like, is it worth it to me to spend these six hours reading everything, right? Or would it be better for me to spend spend some of that time just not reading, you know, like doing yeah. something else, you know, like make a cake for crying out loud, you know, like. <laughs> something that's a lot of times we don't allow ourselves to do, and I decided to speak for everybody, I'm sorry. I just do nothing because our brain needs that. We need just not be listening, not be reading, just nothing. Just sit and look at the ceiling. Our brain needs that. Ideally, look at, look at nature, like look outside, look at me or go for a walk. We need that because that recharges the brain. Anyway, one thing also that I wanted to, to bring up, maybe we can mention real quick because we're coming out coming up at the top of the hour. How do people, projects, how do they help 
users of those projects to to be up to date with what they are doing. So yeah, I mean, those are the different patterns that we're talking about. So I think blog posts help. I, I have I like the idea of having blogs that are targeted toward different audiences. I like the idea of having an aggregator for a particular project. I mean, obviously, Kubernetes is such a huge ecosystem that if you have things like Cube Weekly, and I know that there are actually quite a number of things out there that try and do this, but if there's like if we can kind of agree on one, like Cube Weekly, I think is a pretty good one because it's actually run by the CNCF, so it kind of it kind of falls within that sort of governance model. But having an aggregator where you can actually like produce content or curate content as it relates to your project is helpful. And then you know, office hours I think is also helpful to Josh's point. I mean, like the office hours and SIG hours are very are very similar things. I mean, like office hours are like you know, how do the developers think about? What's happening with the space? This is an opportunity for you as an end user to show up and ask questions. Those sorts of patterns, I think, all are incredibly helpful as a project to, to get out there and do those things. Yeah, and those summary articles or the, the sort of TLDRs that Michael mentioned earlier, I think I need more of them kind of things in my life because um, I do a lot of reading because I think my brain is a bit weird in that. I need to read something about like five or six different times from five or six different kind of articles for it to sort of frame in my head. So what I'm trying to do like for 2020, I'm, and I've always tried to do this, is like if I think somebody knows all about this and you know it would save me reading those five, six, seven articles, and if that person has the time, I try and sort of reach out to them and say, listen, have you got 20 minutes or so to, to explain this topic to me? You know, can I ask you questions about it? It would just, it just saves me, saves my eyes reading a screen and it just saves me time to, I just need a, a kind of a TLDR summary of, of a project or a feature or something just so I can kind of know what it's about in my head and talk fairly sort of confidently about it. If I need to get sort of further down under the weeds, then there's more reading to kind of do from maybe the coding or the technical side. But sometimes I just, I, I can't figure out what this feature sort of means and, and what's its use case in the real world. And I have to kind of wade through lots of articles and sometimes kind of vendor specific ones and, and, and they've got a, a, a different slant than maybe an independent one and, and trying to marry those bits up in my head. It kind of is a bit, it's a bit hard for me. And there's a wealth of information. So you kind of, you're, if you're interested in a topic and there's like hundreds of articles and you start reading four or five and they're like all slightly different. Eventually, you kind of figure out what that you're, you're confident and I understand what that product is about, but it's taken a long time to get there and it's taken a, a lot of reading time. So TLDRs like really work. And, and I think it was Josh who mentioned before, like we have this thing internally where we do bench demos and that's kind of like a TLDR, you know, and a show and tell really quickly, like this is what this does and this is why we need to know about it. And this is why our customers need to know about it the end you know and that that's really really useful because that's just saved a whole bunch of people a whole bunch of time figuring out a whether they need to know about it and b you know actually now understanding that product or feature at the end of the like five ten minutes which is what they typically are so they're very useful short snippets of information maybe we're back to twitter <laughs> Similar to the idea of giving a demo, all of you made me think of something, and that is that I think one of the ways that I kind of keep up with this space is actually through writing along with reading. And, and I think the notion of like, and, and this is admittedly takes up time and the whole quality of life conversation comes in, but 
using writing to help develop your thoughts and kind of aggregate all these crazy inputs and try to be somewhat concise, which I know I struggle with, around something I've learned, it's helped me a ton. And then that asset kind of becomes reusable to share with other people, the thing that you wrote. So for people listening to this, I guess maybe a call to action for 2020, if that's kind of your style as well, consider starting to write yourself and becoming a resource, right? Because even if you're new to this space, like you'd be amazed at how just writing from your perspective can help other people. I think another one that I've actually been impressed with lately is that a number of consumer companies, like people out there, like Lyft and, and companies like that, are, have actually started to surface engineering blogs around the, how they're using technology and how they're using technology to solve things, which I think, you know, as a service provider, or as, a, as somebody who's involved in the community, communities, I find those to be incredibly valuable because I get to actually see how those things are done. I mean, at the same time, I see things like, you know, we talk about KubeCon, which is a convention that happens every year. Obviously, the project is large enough to support it. But there's actually an incentive if you are a consumer of that project to go and talk about how you're using it, right? Like there, it's incentivized in that it is more likely your talk will be accepted if you are a consumer of the product than somebody building it, right? Like we, we hear from people yeah. building it all the time. I love that idea of incentivizing people who are using this thing, get out there and talk about it, like, or share their ideas about it or how they're using it. What problems did it solve for them? That is critical, I think. And also I make a suggestion is uh, not so much following on the thread that we're talking about just now, but like on the, on the general thread of this episode. If you have resources that you do use to keep up with things, stop this recording right now and go and give give them a like give them a follow give them a thumbs up show somehow appreciation because like what Zephy said just now he was saying oh it's so helpful when i read a, a blog post but people who are writing is they want to know that so give give them some indication it's so it counts a lot. It counts a lot. It, it's, it takes a lot of effort to sit down and write something or produce a podcast. And if you take any derive any benefit from it, show appreciation. It motivates people to keep doing it. Yeah, agreed. I think that's a great a great point. Maybe to close off this episode because it, it reiterates that just consuming <laughs> and keeping up that doesn't necessarily mean you don't give back, right? Yeah. And so this is a way of giving back, which is really important. Yeah. To, Keep that flow I, and stream. I, I go through a lot of YouTube videos and sometimes they just play one after the other. But sometimes, you know, I've been making the point of going back and like liking it, mm. liking the ones I like, obviously, I don't like everything. I mean, things that I don't like, I don't like listening, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It takes no efforts, but just so people know, okay, you did a good job here. By the way, go on iTunes and rate us. Rate us so we will know that you liked it and we'll help people find our show, our podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube, give us a like. All right. Well, unless anybody has any final thoughts, that's what we wanted to cover this session. So thank you all very, very much and look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Uh, Bye. Thank you for listening to the Podlets Cloud Native Podcast. Find us on Twitter at ThePodlets and on the Podlets.io website. That is The Podlets altogether, where you'll find transcripts and show notes. We'll be back next week. Stay tuned by subscribing. Subscribe.